great job. They expanded the lead, didn't lose it. He'll swing it this time. Here's C.J. Miles, and he connects. If I can go six for nine for the rest of the year, that'd be amazing. You're Talking about working. believe. Remember Tuck McGroy used to say, you got to believe. You know, you can see they got a great rhythm, you know, with, with, with the offense, the way they're playing and everything, and it's great. Great job by Valanchunas on the challenge and then Powell in transition. You know, it's, you got to start the 82 the right way, and we just want to go out there and take care of business. The second unit did their job tonight, and uh, that's what we're going to continue to need from them. Welcome to Home Court, another edition. This time we've moved locations. We are live inside the Air Canada Center. Josh Lewinberg, Dwayne Watson, Megan McPeak with you as we get you set not only for what happens around the NBA. We'll recap the home opener for the Raptors. We've got a really great show for you this afternoon. Jack Armstrong will join us. We'll hear some uh, one-on-one action from Josh and JV and as well play-by-play voice for the 76ers. Mark Zumoff will join us later on in the second hour. As we look ahead to tonight's game, that coverage, you'll be able to check it out right here on TSN 1050. Coverage will begin around 7 p.m. That time is fast and loose as we've got the Argos starting at 3.30 this afternoon. And then once they wrap up, the pregame for the Raptors game tonight will begin. And you can get it all here this afternoon. A lot of sports for you here today. And gentlemen, we'll jump right into it. The Raptors open their season on a positive note. They're officially 1-0. As they got a W, undefeated, undefeated. eighty-two and zero, still in <laughs> play. <laughs> Eastern Conference, <laughs> better they, start they, than the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> the headlines, the headlines. We could just keep going with it. And they, we, don't, we, we don't even have to address the fact that the Bulls aren't a real NBA team. No, they're not. Right. no, no. A win's a win, right? Yeah. They could have thrown their G League team out and probably. Had I a thought better, there was their G League team. It, I mean, <laughs> it might have been a lot of them, but it's uh, funny. So I asked Dwayne Casey before the game about facing the Bulls for the first time in a while without Jimmy Butler, and he astutely right. pointed out that Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen aren't there either. But, I mean, <laughs> right right now they'd settle for, like, Jamal Crawford or yeah. Nate Robinson or, or Eddie Curry. Guys, a- anything at yeah. this point. They'd settle for us. That's true. Pretty much. All right. The, the Raptors, after an official's review at the very end of the game, once the teams actually went to the locker room, the score was made official. It ended up being 117-100. A three-pointer was actually ended up ruling as a two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that changes my opinion on the whole thing. You, you know, go. nonetheless, though, the Raptors, you know, they, they came out and they looked the way they did, in my opinion, much like what we saw in preseason. And FYI, people, you can't same take level, shots. You same level take, of competition. You can't take shots anymore because the preseason caveats no longer apply. We are officially in the regular season. I think we should keep up this home court drinking game thing. So uh, last week it was a shot for every time we said preseason caveats apply. Yeah. This week you should drink You drink every time we said that's exactly where I was going with this. Or the or Sixers in like, town. It's only been game one. There's two, there's two different games. I don't know if we can handle both of those. <laughs> right this Wait, is a two-hour show. Right, right, people might process, not make it to the uh, actual <laughs> coverage of the Raptors tonight. But let me know. You guys looking at that game, obviously, I don't know about you guys, but the ball movement has been insane, the way that this new offense has been put in place and what Coach Casey and his coaching staff are trying to do. I want to throw a number at you guys. Last season – you know, when you look at the analytics, and I know everybody loves analytics, analytics, excuse me, over the season, the team averaged 260 passes per game. Not assists, passes. In one game? Only the Warriors averaged 260 uh, assists per game. Right. In one game, in the opener, 
The Raptors went 340-plus passes. I'm not expecting them to be able to keep that number up or get it higher, but are we looking at a team that should things keep rolling the way they have and they keep getting the, the impact from you know the role players to help DeMar and Kyle and JV, can we expect this team to have 300-plus passes a game that can lead to a game where we're looking at 25-plus assists or more a night? Yeah, 26 assists in the opener. They only recorded more than that in three of their 82 games last season. So, they, I mean, that's a, a, a drastic change. Uh, still early, of course, uh, but that is the clear mandate is giving up good shots in order to get great shots, being unselfish. And, of course, it starts with the leaders, Lowry and DeRozan. There was a, a clearly a conscious effort on their part to get their teammates involved. They combined for, what was it, 23 points, yeah. uh, only 16 shots between the two of them, I believe, which is not something we normally see. But, I mean, they were looking to pass first. And I don't expect that to be the case all season long. There's going to be nights, many nights, in fact, where they're going to need to score big. But they they set the season, they set the tone out the, the right way is to make sure that the other guys are feeling good about themselves. And then they do get this new offensive philosophy uh, put in place early on. Consistency is key. I mean, I think one knock against this ball club is the lack of ball movement. We talked about, you know, DeMar and Kyle used to hold the ball a lot. of a lot of ISO stuff. And the ball has to move freely, and it creates opportunities for everybody. And I think, you know, maybe not 300 touches every single game, but if they can still bring that number up from last year where the ball is moving and that carries into the playoffs where it's not just driven on one thing. And you're seeing there's great shot opportunities happening where the ball swings and the guys are have wide-open shots and you've said giving up good shots for better shots, and that's what's happening. And that has to happen for this ball club because it can't just be a two-man show. And we saw after game one how that worked for us, and a lot of people benefited from that. There was a play in the second half where DeMar DeRozan drove into the lane, kicked uh, the pass out to the corner found Norman Powell, who was wide open, and he gave up the shot for an even more wide open Sergi Baca on the elbow, drained the three, and those are the type of possessions that were sort of few and far between right. in years yep. past, but we saw a lot more of it uh, on Thursday. I mentioned DeRozan. I, I mean, it was a quiet night for his standards, 11 points. The nine shots would have matched a season low from last season. But again, it wasn't like an off night in the way that he, he's had in the playoffs right. before where he shoots like right. five for, for 20-something. This was a quiet night by design, at yep. least offensively, in the sense that he was looking to facilitate first and foremost. And as I said, it's going to start with those guys. If Lowry and DeRozan are doing it, it's contagious and everyone's going to do it. It's funny. You mentioned that play with Norm passing it to Serge. Raptors... Twitter account actually tweeted out kind of like there. I mean, the Raptors' social media team is is hands, in my opinion, one of the best in the league. Uh, their troll game is amazing. They're back and forth with teams that they might be playing, but they tweeted out um, when that play happened. It was like a conversation between the fans, Norm and Serge, and it was like fans, Norm, shoot it, and then it was Norm. No, I'll pass it. And then Serge was like, thanks, fam. And it, it, it's funny because that stuff, like you said, Josh, we didn't, we haven't seen in years past because, one, players weren't taking it, i.e., you know, hate to bring it up again, Pat Patterson, open shot, wouldn't take it, would pass it up instead. But you're now with a team that recognizes the way this system runs, 
it's better for everybody because everyone's going to get their looks and everyone's going to get their touches. But when you have a guy who Norm is, you know, he can make those corner threes, but he knows, okay, I've got surge on the on on you know that forty five corner. He can hit those too. Let me pass it up and maybe get my get my assist and get my big guy going. There's two things that obviously the movements reminiscent of the Golden State Warriors. I'm not trying to compare the Raptors to Warriors, but that ball was a good thing. The next year is. Being able to have people who can knock down their shots consistently because that'll make the defense adjust. And of course, CJ Miles proved that without a shadow of a doubt. But everyone's got to make these open shots. And we saw even last year there's opportunities where there's open shots to be had that they couldn't knock down. And the key to this team kind of ascends to the next level is knocking down those open shots when they have them. Yeah, you got to find that balance. And I, I'm happy you bring up the Patrick Patterson comparison, Megs, because I mean, he was passing up shots which now we're saying is encouraged giving up good looks for better looks but it, it was almost an indecision uh reluctance to shoot sort of thing with patterson and a number of guys last year and that's why they've got to find that balance now where they want players especially the non-shooters uh, obviously lowry ibaka miles those guys are going to shoot their shots but a lot of the others that have that don't have that proven track record the Raptors, Dwayne Casey, are, they're encouraging those guys to be confident in taking those shots and be decisive. So if JV is open from beyond the arc, they don't want him pump faking. Right. Right. They don't want OG Ananobi pump faking from the corner. They want those guys to make a decision when they catch the ball. Are they making the play? Are they moving the ball to yeah. find another shooter? Or are they taking that shot? And if they're taking that shot, they've got to take it with confidence. It's making a movement with purpose yep. and not just making a movement to make it. If you can at all find any negative or minus, if you will, about that opener, what would either of you think it would be looking at a game that the Raptors can adjust on or are looking to adjust as, here's your first shot, ladies and gentlemen, the process comes to town tonight? I mean, I think the constructive criticism, at least in the locker room after Thursday's game, will be for DeMar DeRozan, who, as I mentioned, that was by design that he was facilitating more than he was scoring in the opener. But at the same time, we're seeing uh, that adjustment process to borrow the term with with demar learning the stylistic changes in this new offense because it is demar that has to adjust more than anyone else i think it's more of a natural fit for kyle lowry because the the new offense plays to a lot of his strengths as a player and he also played a similar style in houston back a number of years ago obviously for a lot of these role players it's not as big of an adjustment the young guy spent a lot of the summer sort of getting a head start on a lot of these changes. DeRozan, it, it goes against a lot of the things that have made him such a great player over the years. All the dribbling that he does, the tough mid-range shots that he's proven in the past that he can hit, but that's not necessarily the way the Raptors want to play. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time. It certainly looked like it, it's going to take some time on Thursday as DeRozan was feeling his way through it. Uh, so, I mean, he's good enough to make those adjustments he works hard enough to be able to make those adjustments. It's just a matter now of working with him and allowing him to uh, adapt to the new way that the Raptors are trying to play. I agree with you. I think that the key is DeMar DeRozan's adjustment to this new flow of the offense. And as Josh mentioned, his ability to dribble with the ball and get to the free throw line or create these shots for himself is key. But, you know, that was essentially a preseason game against the Bulls. So what happens when it's tougher competition where he might feel he needs to do more? And the, the way he knows inherently, instinctively to do more, is keeping the ball. So how do you find that balance where he can kind of still be himself but still be a, a team facilitator for the squad? And, as you know, in the coming games, we're going to see how that pans out. 
We'll get a chance to see if they can make some adjustments and what kind of game DeMar will bring tonight as they take on the 76ers. Keep it locked later on in the show at 145. Jack Armstrong will join us to talk the opener and look ahead to tonight's game. Keep it locked right here, TSN 1050's home court. DeMar, kick out. OG, the three. OG knocks it down from Portage La Prairie. Welcome back inside the Air Canada Center. We are live on location high above center court as we get set for the game later tonight. And when we look at that home opener, gentlemen, and you can head over to at TSN 1050 radio and get your votes in on the uh, poll question this week. Who impressed you more during the Raptors home opener? DeLon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas, OG Ananobi, who we heard that sound from, or CJ Miles. Josh? It was a big game from the kids, so I'll, I'll go Ananobi and DeLon Wright. I really liked what the second unit brought, of course, opening that second quarter on a 22-2 run to really break the game open. And overall, I mean, that was the big question, right, going into the season is, are they going to be able to get that type of performance from what is a very young second unit, specifically if and when Dwayne Casey goes to those five-man bench lineups without Kyle Lowry, as we've seen over the last few years. Now, of course, trying to limit, cut back on Lowry's minutes a little bit. Uh, but not only did that second group maintain the the energy that the starters open the game with, but they took it to another level. Uh, so I, I think that that was the big takeaway. That was the big um, story in the first game. I thought DeLon Wright might have played the best two-way game of any Raptor. He was fantastic on both ends. And, oh, gee, I mean, it's impressive that he's even out there playing at all, considering he is nine months removed from knee surgery, but to impressed the way that he did in his NBA debut. He, he airballed his first three, and then we heard the next three that he attempted uh, a make from the corner there coming into this segment. Uh, he, he played with confidence. He made some nice passes. He was aggressive and active on defense. So while the other two options there, Miles and Valanciunas, the veterans uh, certainly bailed out at times the struggling stars in the opener, I really like the performance of the young guys. Yeah, you mentioned the young guys in the second unit, the 15-0 run um, to really push the game. So there's a lot of excitement for the youth there. Um, I like a JV um, only because you know something you said in context of those guys. But you know, could this be a sign of what may happen this season? I mean, 23 and 15, which is phenomenal. And I don't expect him to average that a lot. He's usually a really big guy in opening at games, but. You know, the fact that he's so involved in the offense, I mean, two blo- two steals, two assists, two, so is he going to be able to help make a couple of plays here and there? Uh, because that's been the big question. This is a guy, someone they're trying to move in the offseason, talks about the death of the big man, but this new offense looks like it can work to his advantage. And I think that's big to have other options aside from Kyle DeMar, as we talked about. And I, I mean, we, we expected... Valanciunas to be more of a situational player going into this season. It'll be interesting to see. That was a great matchup for him against yeah. Robin Lopez, uh, a similar throwback big man. Tonight, I mean, it would have been a much bigger challenge, of course, if Joel Embiid right. was in the lineup. He is not with Philadelphia playing in the second night of their back-to-back third game in four nights for Philly. So, of course, no Embiid who's working his way back from injury. But even without Joel, I mean... This is a team, a versatile young team that can do a lot of different things with their lineup. 
I imagine they'll use former Raptor Amir Johnson a bunch at the five. Of course, Ben Simmons can pretty much play all five positions on the court. He's a point guard in a center's body. So I'm not sure exactly what the regular matchup will be for, for JV. Maybe yeah. maybe it's Amir, so we'll, we'll see the former teammates going up against each other. But I think, I mean, he's going to be challenged in this new, quicker, smaller NBA as he is every year. It'll be interesting to see if those changes that he's made to his game over the offseason, the things that really stood out in what was an excellent preseason for him, whether they translate now into the regular season. Yeah, and I I would agree, Dwayne, with you. That's kind of where I took my vote was was JV, simply because he he made an impact in an offense that when you think about it, really doesn't necessarily suit a prototypical big man, which is what he is. But the fact that he's worked on his passing, he's worked on his shooting, he's worked on things that will allow him to still have an impact and still have uh, a foot in this game so that Coach Casey can keep him on the floor down the stretch. And then also, too, you look at the fact he was, what, 5 of 6 from the free throw line? So coaches down the stretch can't go foul the big man or JV hack shack down the stretch in a close game to try and get some stops because JV is going to go to the line and he's going to make those free throws. So he's done stuff over the offseason, Josh, as you said, to allow himself to still be a poignant person in this offense and still be that, you know, that third guy of that big three, if you will, for the Raptors and Lowry, DeRozan, and now you can throw in that they've got a big man in JV because he's made himself more versatile. And I think that actually he's because he's also added that outside jump shot with consistency, especially from that foul line extended area, I think he now puts the pressure on the opposing coaches to match up against him and allows Casey to keep him on the floor. It's well, really interesting. Sorry, Dwayne. It, it's really interesting because, as I mentioned, the new offense has been will continue to be an adjustment for DeMar DeRozan, as, as we expected. But if you would have asked me a month ago, uh, as we knew the Raptors were working in these, these stylistic changes, who it would be the biggest adjustment for, I might have said Valanchunas, yeah. just because, as you mentioned, like when you think of playing faster, sharing the ball, shooting more threes, none of those are, are strengths right. of JV. But he's found a way to really fit into what they're doing. It's been an unlikely fit for him. But we'll hear... Uh, my my chat with JV a little bit later on in the show, and he talked about, he used the word inclusive, that this is a more inclusive offense. He feels like he's a bigger part of what they're doing. So even though it might not result in more points for him every night, it, it might not result in more shots for him. It, it definitely won't result in more post-ups for him. I right. think he'll actually get fewer post-touches as a result of the offensive changes. But it, it does mean that he's touching the ball yep. more often, having to make decisions on every play that's sort of shaping what the possession looks like. And by involving players like JV, who were previously ignored on a lot of possessions in the old offense, I think it really helps bring up a guy's confidence, and we're seeing that with JV on and off the court. This is a new-looking player, a more confident right. player. And he looks, he looks slimmer, too. Like, big, muscular, but somewhat slimmer, where he's able to get up and down the floor. Yeah, he told me it wasn't. he didn't lose a lot of weight, necessarily, but he turned a lot of that, that body fat in, into muscle, muscle and that makes a big difference as well. The key thing, while we're praising JV, and of course I brought him up as a, as a positive um, one thing we one word we haven't used in the context of talking about is defense and that's really what is a key for him being at there but especially mentioned with the versatile league like can he stay on the floor matching up against different guys or even against bigs and he was like a minus two on thursday so is his defense has to improve to keep him out there because offensive we, we know we're going to get a lot of the offensive things from him defense is a key for him too yeah i'd like to see him average instead of averaging two steals i'd like to see him averaging like 
two, four, maybe six blocks a game if he can get it up there. <laughs> hey. in, a, in a perfect world, he'd be averaging six team? blocks. I don't even do fantasy. Maybe, maybe, ten, maybe ten blocks. Go for the triple-double. But no, if he could get you know two, three, maybe four blocks a game, he's having an impact defensively. But if he can, on the offensive end, if he can make himself you know a Pau Gasol and a passing big man, that's going to pull guys out of the paint. Because you're not going to be if you're if you're an Amir, if you're a Drummond, if you're a, a Whiteside, you can't just you know back off of him and dare him to take that shot because he's going to be able to pass. What does that do? It opens the lane for the back cuts and guards are going to be flying through. So that offense is going to keep moving. The ball is going to keep zooming around. It's going to make things so much easier if he can turn himself into a back passing big man and get a couple more assists a night. But like you said, Dwayne, I want to see him now have that same impact that he has on the offensive end and being inclusive, have that impact and bring that bull, bring that fight that we've seen throughout the season in, you know, random games. When JV gets that fire in him and he has a big play defensively and he, you know, he flexes, I want to see that nightly on the defensive end because then he could be a monster in this league. Yeah, for the fantasy folks, somebody asked me on Twitter last week if I'm expecting a big fantasy season, right. a big statistical season from Valanchunas, and I said I, I actually don't think that the new offense, or at least JV's role in the new offense, is necessarily conducive for fantasy, right. because he's not going to get as many post-touches, maybe the numbers won't be there every night, but I, again, I think in, in real life, in reality, to this Raptors team, he's going to be more valuable just because of all the little things that he does. And, and while it might be situational, might be matchup dependent, where some nights they're going to need him to score more, some nights they're going to need him to, to do more offensively, it, to your point, Megan, the key for him is going to be maintaining that level of play, that energy that effort that they need from him every night and the key word you mentioned before was touches and i think the fact that he might not be scoring or shooting the ball but there would be possessions last season where he'd be in the post waiting for the ball and not touch the ball and i mean if he feels he's part of the offense where he's helping moving in and touch the ball he can have that level of intensity knowing he's a part like you said inclusive if he's a part of the equation part of the situation he can help have that energy to do other things knowing he's part of the offense we will keep the jv conversation when we get back josh's two-minute report from Jonas valanciunas at practice, we'll hear from that. Keep it locked right here, home court on TSN 1050. This is the two-minute warning with Josh Lindbergh on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball. Welcome back inside the Air Canada Center. Dwayne Watson, Josh Lindbergh, Megan McPeak with you as we continue on here with home court. And Josh, this week uh, you were able to talk with Jonas Valanciunas, so uh, tell us what you uh, had to uh, chat with uh, the big guy about. Well, it's interesting, and this is what I wrote about last week, is in the past when I've written stories about JV, it's sort of been a challenge journalistically, not because of the subject matter. JV's always been an interesting uh, an interesting case in the sense that uh, originally we were documenting his transition from Lithuania to the NBA, and then it was, uh, how is he being used? Why isn't he playing in the fourth quarter? And, and over the last few years, it's been about his fit as a player, a throwback center in this a new evolving NBA so he's always been interesting the the problem is you couldn't always rely on a quote from the big man himself he's always been one of the more lighthearted uh, good humored players off the record on the record obviously not uh, still learning the language when he was a young player in the league and um also i, I mean i think it's it's 
pretty common with most young players in the NBA is that you're a little bit guarded when the recorder is flipped on or the camera is turned on, the lights are on. So uh, we haven't seen the same JV on camera as we see behind the scenes. That sort of changed a little bit, and I noticed that in speaking to him last week where in the same way that he seems more confident on the court, he's more confident off the court as well. So I asked him about that sort of his fit in the offense, how he's feeling coming off a summer in which he got himself in, in pretty good shape and, and added a lot of things to his game. Um, and we, we talked about the season that's to come. I feel confidence. I feel, first of all, I like what we do. Uh, I like, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I'll, I give myself out. Uh, it has been a great summer. I worked a lot on my, on a lot of things, different areas. Um, I had a good work. Uh, I'm coming back in a good mood. We didn't win, but uh, at least we played good in the uh, off season yep. in uh, Euro uh, stuff. Yep. So I'm feeling, you know, I'm just coming back, ready to play, uh, mentally good shape. Physically, I mean, you look like physically, you're in great shape. Uh, physically, I worked a lot this summer of uh, being in shape. Uh, did you do anything different with your body and with your training? I mean, I did a lot of training on uh, training on uh, my footwork, so that helps. That that transfers. So, you know, I'm just cannot say I'm different, Jonas, but I'm just better version of Jonas. I'm sure it's never easy to hear your name out there in trade rumors or, or whatever um, when you hear stuff like that is that something that you can just block out or is that something that you can actually take and use as motivation to push you and make you better I mean I mean motivation I don't know I have my motivation that that thing is not motivating me at all I know what's motivating me, my family, I got uh, my teammates motivating me, uh, front office who's saying what they want to do motivates me. And these things are, I understand, people got to talk, people are meant to talk. It's never going to be uh, different, you know, these days are social media, social and, all media and all that stuff. I've, I see some things, but I just, I just don't give a you know, I know what I gotta do, I know what I, what's my role in this team, and team is the most important thing, being selfish is not, it's not what's gonna make it in this team. There are some people that look at the way that the league has changed, going smaller in the three-point shooting and all that, and they think that big men don't have a place in the game anymore. What would you say to those people? Or they ever played basketball? Big man can still do a lot of good things. And uh, not, I mean, it's not still do. It's like big man doing a lot of good things mm -hmm. on a court, rebounding. This is one of the biggest areas, right? Yep. That part is not never going to change. You know, guard cannot out rebound a big guy, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody got to need to protect the rim. We got to finish the defense with the rebound. So. It's always going to be like that. So I think I think those people who are saying that big man is going to be be out of the league, not.
Got a little bit of everything there. We got the, the little Borat quote there at the end with the knot. Got a couple... Uh, Bombs. Couple, yeah, a couple S S bombs. Adult words. A couple adult <laughs> words, and uh, the the money quote for me was, "I cannot say I'm a different Jonas. I'm just a better, better version. version of Jonas." And uh, like I said, it, it translates off the court as well because that's as good an interview as I, I've ever had with JV. He was honest. He was outspoken. Um, and he made a lot of good points, as I said, that, that inclusive offense. He feels like he's more involved now, and as a result, he's more confident. Yeah, and you could hear it. I mean, I think, you know, as seeing Jonas, you know, when the cameras are off behind the scenes, he's a pretty animated and fun guy and open guy. But you hear in this interview where he's like, come to the point where he's going to say that stuff and not really care what people think mm-hmm. on camera. And I think that's a, that's a telling sign. But recognizing that, you know, he doesn't have to be different. He has to be better. And, you know, that, that bodes well. And, I mean, game one is a good indicator. We'll see how that goes for the rest of the season. Yeah, and even, too, like, just from what you were saying before, when he first came into Canada, his English is, like, it blows me away just to see how it's gotten better year in and year out and just how he has spoken to people and what he says to people. And, you know, when when typically when people come first into the league, especially from overseas or from another country where English is not their first language, you can kind of tell when they're trying to respond to the media. They're, the thoughts are going through their mind, the wheels are spinning for them to put the words together for it to, one, make sense and to make sure they're saying the right thing so they're not misunderstood or misconstrued. Yeah, not saying then, the wrong things. Right, and then it can't be used against them, yep. um, whether in a court of law or, you know, in Twitter. Um, but even, like, just to, to kind of touch on what he said about, like you said, Josh, like, for me that comment about him not being, you know, it's a, it's a better version of himself. And kind of what you said, Dwayne, he's not changing who he is as a player. He's not changing what he does on the floor. He's just better at what he needs to do to have an impact. Instead of, you know, adding this, adding that, changing this, changing that, he knows what Coach Casey, the staff, and the front office want from him. And he said, okay, how do I get better at these things so that I can be the impact player they need me to be and have, you know, a, a – prominent role on this team as a big man so that I can't be phased out in this league, it's not changing. It's just doing it better. And he, in one game, Dwayne, like you said, he's done it better. From JV man a few words on the record a few years ago to this now chattier JV, the one thing that has remained consistent is he's always been a team first guy. So you ask him about uh, the changes that he's made and how he fits into the league, how he fits on the team, his numbers, his touches. The one thing that he'll keep reminding you is it's about winning games it's about helping the team i think that's been tough for him to it's tough for anybody to continue reminding yourself when uh i mean he's had a lot of ups and downs in the early part of his career and again he he reads the same way we all do he sees what's out there on twitter he hears what people are saying not only about him specifically but about big men in the nba that they're a dying breed so to speak uh but he's continued to maintain that focus that he's had on finding ways to help the team. He's been a loyal soldier to the Raptors, has never complained about touches or about being more involved, playing more. He just continues to do his thing, and I think that that bodes well, not only for this season, but his future in the NBA, regardless of what the league looks like. There's going to be a place for a guy like that who not only has the talent that he does, but has the work ethic as well. And further to your point, Josh, about just you know being a dying breed and big man and, and him being a team player, like he's also being pushed within his own 
team. I mean, Jakob Pearl's a guy everyone's high on right now who is taking some minutes from him. So the fact that he can still have that level-headedness to be like, you know, I have to do his best for this ball club and this franchise as well as myself, whether, you know, his role is diminishing or not, whether because of situation to matchups or the fact that Jakob's getting minutes and based on what people see in the of him, you know, he's a pro. He's definitely a pro in that regard. Some breaking news. Uh, we know, of course, that the Sixers will be without their leading scorer tonight, Joel Embiid. The Raptors might be without their leading scorer, DeMar DeRozan, who, according to tonight's game notes, is questionable with an illness. Oh. It's that time of the year. Weather changing, yeah, the flu bug maybe hey, in yeah. the air. It doesn't Never know. Game two. It's okay. Not yeah. a problem. We'll, t- we'll take game we'll 72. Take game two. Game 82, depending on where their season's and sitting. And knowing DeMar DeRozan, again, this isn't an injury. This is an illness. And unless it's really bad, right. knowing DeMar DeRozan, this being a regular season game, regardless of what month it is or what game number it is, I would be very surprised if he sits up. All right. Well, hey, so, let's, let's entertain ourselves down that, so, down that road. Let's just say, not so, that we want him to not play. Hashtag yeah. flu game? <laughs> but, um, He's going for 50. So, so who, how do we see the starting lineup shape of it? Let's say DeMar doesn't play tonight for whatever reason. So no DeMar. That's well, hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, the first thought would be, well, probably be C.J. Miles, right. right? The first guy that's normally off the bench now and, and a guy that sort of fits in naturally to that position. Right, however. But, however, <laughs> in years past, we know Dwayne Casey likes to keep his units intact. Exactly. And certainly the second unit has been really strong, right. not just in the opener the other day, but in those last two preseason games, they really came in and, and turned the game as well, right. CJ being a big part of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to keep those groups together. Uh, that would be challenging, though, because we're talking five yeah, and five. So. Yeah, so who, who Alfonso McKinney? I, yeah, I know, because James Johnson used to be that guy where they would go down to the end of the lineup to put him yeah. in to keep the second unit together. So. And you can shift. Certainly Norman Powell to the two. It's his stronger position anyways, and he's going to be chasing around J.J. Redick tonight, so that makes sense. Who starts at the three? Yeah, I mean, we saw Alfonso McKinney make his NBA debut in the final minute of Thursday's opener, and what a remarkable story he is. I'm going to be writing it uh, this week. If you're not familiar with McKinney, a year ago, literally a year ago at this time in the fall, he paid $150 to try out for the Bulls D-League affiliate Indy City Bulls. Yes, uh, they're their first year in the uh, now renamed G League, if if I'm not mistaken. Uh, two years ago, around this time, he was playing in Luxembourg. Um, so he's come a long way yeah. in a very short amount of time. He's had two very serious uh, knee injuries, but here he is. He made his NBA debut the other night. He's a guy that the Raptors are very a high on a guy that they could see blossoming into a three and D player based on the tools and the athleticism that he has. Uh, Casey was singing his praises yesterday. So I wonder in the event that DeMar misses the game with his illness in the event that Casey decides to keep CJ miles with the second unit. I wonder if maybe Alfonso McKinney gets a look. We shall see as that game will be, Live here on TSN 1050, tip off at 7.30. And do remember, starting at 3.30, coverage begins on TSN 1050. The Blue Bombers are in town to take on the Argos from BMO Field. Next up, we'll have the coach, Jack Armstrong, join us right here on TSN 1050's Home Court. Welcome back to TSN 1050's Home Court, live from the Air Canada Centre. This afternoon, joining us now on the line is... 
TSN analyst and former coach because he is the go-to when it comes to not only the Raptors but basketball. Jack Armstrong joins us. Jack, how are you today? Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm doing well, Jack. I want to jump right into this. After one game, the Raptors are undefeated. The guys and I have been having a little fun with with it. And I want to ask you, our poll question this week was, who impressed you more in the Raptors' home opener, DeLon, JV, OG, CJ, or if someone else impressed you more, your thoughts on the Raptors' home opener? Hmm. Well, you know what? Uh, I was, you know, Valanchunas always has good opening nights. Now we, we just got to worry about the other 81 nights. <laughs> uh, OG is, uh, you know, w- there's not a lot of body of work, obviously, so far, because it's, it's been so little, and uh, we, no one even expected him to play opening night. So uh, the flashes I've seen of him in preseason and now, I've been super impressed. The two guys that truly jumped out at me, obviously C.J. Miles has been a great acquisition for them, the story of the preseason in terms of uh, this, this different style. And he's making shots that a lot of guys a year ago, when they got them, didn't make them. And... Um, that's why you pay guys the big bucks to make them. You know, it's like putting in golf. Either you make them or you don't. And then uh, DeLon Wright uh, really impressed me with just his uh, his poise. He had a very efficient game in terms of the assist-to-turnover ratio. I thought he played both ends of the court exceptionally well with, with a calm demeanor. And uh, I, I like what he brings. Obviously, with all that being said, that was a game they were supposed to win. They were supposed to beat them bad, and they did just that. Now the competition level rises this evening, and then a very difficult six-game road trip where you open up with San Antonio and Golden State. Good luck with that. So tonight will be a much better test uh, with a team that, quite frankly, if I, you know, if you said, hey, you want to come out of coaching and coach a team in the league, uh, I'd do anything to coach the Sixers. I think they're runway, I think they're upside the next three to five to seven years if run properly, uh, and I think it will be, because I, I have faith that Brian Colangelo will do a good job there. Uh, that, that That's a really good situation. Jack, to your point, uh, long term, there's no question the, the Sixers are trending upwards. W- what are you expecting from them this year? We've seen even in their first two games, they've hung in there, they've had leads late in games but like we saw from the young Timberwolves last season they've had trouble maintaining those leads and executing down the stretch even in the Eastern Conference we know not the strongest of the two conferences uh, to put it mildly do they have a chance at making the playoffs this year oh I definitely think I have them in my playoffs I I pick them eighth and quite frankly they have the talent level even better than that uh They'll figure it out. You know, it's interesting, guys. I think you'll agree with me. There are only, you know, only five preseason games, uh, shorter preseason. So a lot of times chemistry, uh, on-court game situations, the more uh, experienced teams don't shoot themselves in the foot as much, and the younger teams this part of the year do. And I, have, I think Brett Brown does a, a real nice job. He's done an amazing job under dire circumstances. And I think you give this group some time, and they and they get to spend time watching film and talking about things and walkthroughs and going over situational drills and all like that. I really, it's like two minute drill in football. You know, it's like the power play in, in hockey. I mean, just the little the little tech, the little details, the devils in the details. I think they'll get better at that. And uh, 
I have complete faith that they will. I mean, they have a tremendously talented roster, and I think it's important for ownership in Philadelphia not, you know, everyone's talking about the process. Now the most important thing, if you're the owners of that team, is don't try to uh, propel the process quicker than you should. Just let it breathe and be patient. Uh, but I think they're definitely on the right track. Now, Jack, you mentioned patience. Obviously, uh, when you, you touched on OG earlier, and I think you know a lot of people weren't sure what they're going to get out of him. Obviously, people didn't expect him to come in and play as soon as he did based on his injury. Um, but is there a bit of like hype that's happening here that maybe people need to – not saying he's not good, but the excitement is kind of starting to build a little too quickly maybe for OG? Well, you know, it, it, I think it, the, the hype didn't happen at all when he was drafted in, in the last six months because there was no summer league, there was no nothing. So actually uh, – I'm not surprised by that at all because it's the first time anyone's really seen him, you know. So I, I, I get that, and that's okay. And he'll, he'll flop sometimes too, and that's okay too. That's how you get better. That's how you learn. Three things that really jump out at me from him. Number one, I love his awareness. Like he, he's made some nifty passes so far that I've seen that I'm like, okay, this kid sees the other nine guys on the floor. So number one, that really jumps out at me. Number two, I think he's got you know great defensive versatility. He's got good lateral quicks. He's got strength. He's got length. He could be uh, when he figures it all out, uh, quite a defender in this league. And number three, he's just got an amazing frame that as he gets to be functionally stronger as a pro and true. I mean, he look you know he looks great, but once he actually knows how to use that strength and that frame. Uh, I mean, I think he can be a physically imposing player in the league. So I think he's got a chance to be a good one. I, I liked him at Indiana. I felt bad when he got hurt. I know Tom Crean is coach. He lost his job. If OG's playing the whole season, Tom doesn't lose his job. But that's the business. Um, but he's a, he's a guy that no question would have gone higher if people were patient and willing to take, you know, and you got to give the Raptors medical staff and, you know, their entire crew a lot of credit. And, again, once again, the, the personality and the patience and the, the, the guy you don't want to play poker with is Masai Ujiri. And I, I give a lot of credit to him and Bobby Webster just say, hey, man, we're going to let it breathe. We have faith. They take a guy who they really like on their board and they're willing to let it happen a little bit. And a lot of times guys fall because of different reasons in the draft. And if you're not impulsive and you're a quick fix guy and you're willing to just trust things a little bit, sometimes you end up really getting a gem. This kid's good. Jack, you forgot number four. You like his short shorts and his spandex. <laughs> I was joking about that a lot. I think John Stockton and Isaiah Thomas and guys like that would be very proud of him. Sticking with the second unit, uh, Jack, and of course they were so good the other night. DeLon Wright was a guy that really stood out to me, and while the Raptors haven't always been the most aesthetically pleasing team to watch, even though, of course, they're trying to change certain things about their offense this year, DeLon is a really fun guy uh, to, to watch with the things that he can do offensively, of course, how hard he plays defensively. Uh, what is it about his game that really stands out to you, and, and what do you think... Is it about him that, that makes him such a great fit with this young second group? It's funny. Last night I was out to dinner with Frank Layden, the former president, uh, general manager, and head coach of the Utah Jazz. Obviously drafted Stockton, Malone, all those guys 
and uh, turned it over to Jerry Sloan when he retired. But uh, he's in town. He's being inducted at Niagara Falls Hall of Fame tonight. And uh, he told me a few years ago when, when the Raptors drafted DeLon Wright, because Larry Kostowiak, the coach there who coached Jakob Pertl as well, played for him in Utah. And, you know, he, he goes to a lot of their practices and games. He lives in Salt Lake City still. And he said, this kid, DeLon Wright, he goes, I really like him. He's got a nice feel. He just, he gets it. You know, he just plays a, in a really nice, calm fashion. And, and he, he changes speeds well. And he says, you're going to like this kid. And, and, and I've, I've really tried to watch for those attributes because I, I respect the heck out of Frank. And it's exactly what I'm seeing. I mean, he just gets it. He, he, he can shift. He can change speeds. He can get blow-bys, and yet he can, he can, he can glide and be and very smooth as well. He sees the floor. He can really defend. He's got great length. And um, I think he's gotten tougher, too. I thought he was a little too finesse early on. And I think he's getting a little a higher degree of toughness, which you got to have. And, again, when you play against Kyle Lowry every day and Fred Van Vliet, those dudes are tough hombres. And I think that's bringing the best out in DeLon. I think he's a little, a little nastier now, and I like that. But he, he's good. He's good. Now, is he going to be that good every night? No. I mean, he'll have moments where he looks like a guy that hasn't played a lot yet as a pro. But I think if, as long as you get something – uh, folks, between from uh, between him and Fred Van Vliet every night, between two of them, if you can just get one being pretty good, you'll be okay.